Hi guys, uh, David here from AlphaStack. Um, thank you for tuning in. We've got a really exciting interview coming up here with Nick Smith, SportsStack CEO. Um, he covers quite a broad range of subjects, um, going from sort of his days at Goldman Sachs pre-SportsStack to uh, to setting up the business and also some of the plans going forward. So we're hoping um, you guys will enjoy this. Um, so here it is. Hello everyone from AlphaStack. Um, we've got two thirds of our of our team here. Um, Dan's Dan's unfortunately um, busy with other things. We've got um, David and Jay. Um, we thought we'd uh, say hello quickly before uh, bringing in um, the main event. Obviously, no one no one's really here for the unveiling of, of AlphaStack faces. Um, everyone wants to know what um, what Nick's got to say. So we've, we're here with um, SportsStack CEO uh, Nick Smith. Uh, Nick, do you want to say hi? Yeah, hi everyone. Thanks for having me, guys. Not a problem at all. It's um, it's good to to have you on, and we can sort of uh, carry on making some good content. We thought this was probably one of the, the best things we could do to get started um, on kind of podcast style uh, style stuff. Um, Jay, do you want to get us rolling with the questions? Yeah. So, um, sort of, I think the first question that sort of we we sort of were looking at is, um, you know, if if Nick could give us a bit more background information on himself and. Uh, maybe shed some light on your time at Goldman. Uh, yeah, sure. So as you say, my background's always been in trading and well, gambling really, as as kind of most people within the within the industry really recognize that's what we're doing every day. Um, so working at banks, um, Citigroup, Citigroup originally, and then at Goldman Sachs, uh, where I was there for three years before quitting to launch SportsStack um, and met one of my co-founders, Christian, there too. Um, but for kind of seven, six, seven years after university, it's been nothing but um, trading predominantly currencies um, at, the, at the larger banks. But, you know, after the first year or two where there's a lot to learn and lots of, um, you know, exciting things to get up the curve and understand what you're doing and all the products. Once you get kind of into the groove, you realize that day after day, it's just like walking into a casino um, and there's really no difference whatsoever betting, gambling, punting every day, in my case, what currencies were going to go up and down, as it was to betting on what team was going to win uh, at the weekend. So that kind of what's, uh, that's kind of what spawned the idea originally. Mm -hmm. There's actually no difference between what I'm doing every day at an investment bank to what I know a lot of people do every day on sports. And why is there such a huge difference in people's mindsets surrounding gambling and financial markets and gambling on sports? Because I think when you're on the inside, you realise that the only difference is we have to wear a suit. Right. Okay. Whereas uh, this way, you can you can sit at home in uh, in your trackies and. Uh... Exactly. Yeah, it's a lot more fun. Yeah. <laughs> um, from uh, what you were doing, say at Goldman, how much of uh, of your trading was done, say on instincts as opposed to um, on data? Was it was it a lot of it was just market feel guiding your decisions? Um, I would say it was a bit of both, but kind of one informs the other in the sense that when you know something really well, if you do something every single day, so in my case, it was currencies, I would know, you know, off the top of my head, back of my hand, whatever, everything about global politics, economic data, loads of really boring things that I'm sure people don't want to hear about. But I would know all that stuff, you know, kind of back to front 
so when you've got that as kind of a core understanding, then really everything else is just purely instinct. So you just get like tiny little snippets of information every morning when you come in and that will drive potentially a massive trade or a ma trigger you to do something, a big trade. And to be honest, again, it's exactly the same sense. If you're a really hardcore football fan, you've been playing FPL for years, for example, you know player performance stats and form and everything super well, you know, without knowing it, you're probably making really smart decisions when you're going to bet on a team to win or a player to play well. Um, but you're not, it's not like every Saturday morning you're doing six hours of Excel and analysis and data. It's kind of just your brain's already built in that way to interpret that and just know you kind of have a feeling that you know that based off the fact that Leicester are playing home against this team, Vardy is a good player to buy. You know, it's just kind of, it's almost second nature. And it's, again, it's exactly the same when it's at financial markets. You just see the stars align without even recognizing it's happening. And it's exactly the same in sports too. Got you. Okay. And do you, I mean, do you find yourself um, sort of drawing parallels between um, sports stack and, and the financial markets at the moment? I know when I was, when we're sort of like working on the, the goalkeeper blog post, um, I kind of looked at it as a sort of as similar to that, to the short vol trade that's been quite, um, quite, present over the last few years in financial markets where you're kind of betting on things to stay the same way they are I suppose um, and you're collecting those small premiums but there's potential for kind of a big um, a big loss I don't know if you've noticed any other kind of parallels yeah I mean ultimately all markets are actually exactly the same it really doesn't matter what you're doing that's why there's why there's tens of thousands of people have left financial markets to now trade crypto virtual currencies have gone from nothing to a huge industry and, you know, it, back in the day, people were trading, you know, commodities, flowers, anything. It, it really doesn't matter what it is. It's exactly the same mindset. The same things move markets. And just like you were saying there, the same with like trading players on Sportstack now and financial markets, you can make it as easy or complicated as you as you want to. Um, and there's not necessarily a, a right way to, to win or do well. Um, you can be kind of a very high level trader that just has very strong views that these players are going to play well against those teams and you buy them or sell them on sports stack or you can be someone that really does all that analysis um, and really gets into the nitty gritty of it and trying to find kind of five 10p value here and there um, and that's exactly what happens in financial markets as well you'll find the, the kind of genius quants and algo people doing this really detailed analysis they've got their phds in their back pocket and then you've got the guys that are just the much big kind of big punters that don't even do that much analysis they've just got a strong view and go you know screw it i think this is going to be a huge result let's go all in so that's, i suppose the ballsy approach yeah exactly so but as it's kind of horses for courses there's di different yeah. everyone's got a different personality a different risk appetite and you just got to find what works for you as i say there's no there's no right way in any market i know people in both sports betting industry now i've been in it for a year and financial markets um with both extremes of the spectrum in terms of you know going all in on a on a gut feeling to doing you know weeks worth of excel spreadsheets before they make a trade and, you know, I've seen people of both types do exceptionally well. Right. OK. And uh, I mean, what were the driving facts? I know you said that, you know, really, there's not much difference between financial markets and, and sports betting markets. What were the real drivers to make you want to go and set sports stack up? And like, how did you come up with that idea as opposed to something that's more kind of 
um, focused on sort of, I, I don't know, the, the sort of a football index type setup? Um, well, I think fundamentally the, the, the main driver was that this confusion as to the fact that you just can't bet on player performance really at all. And the fact that sports betting as an industry is so huge but it's all congested around basically what team's going to win, lose, draw. And there's all these second and third tier markets that no one really touches, you know, kind of like first goal scorer and corners and all these wishy-washy markets that no one really cares about. But the fact that you can't fundamentally express an opinion that Kane's going to have a great game, Phil Jones is going to have a terrible game. You know, there's just the fact that that doesn't exist was always something that I found crazy because as a football fan, as a sports fan, you realise that the majority of what pe- the majority of things that people were talking about, whether it's watching match of the day, watching f- football punditry and commentary, generally chatting with mates, talking FPL, it's always about this player is overrated, this player is underrated. That you don't spend that much time talking about Arsenal are great or Man U are struggling. It's normally about the individual athletes. So the fact that you know that people predominantly want to talk about those things and they can't physically put money on those opinions. Um, is kind of the real driving factor. It just doesn't, it shouldn't have to be that way. And you shouldn't have to go and play a fantasy game or completely free money game to do that. Um, So that was kind of the core original idea of there's got to be something here and some way of making it something where in the same way you can put money on your opinion on basically anything else in the world, you should be able to do it on professional athletes too. Okay, right. Got you. Got you. Cool. And what has been... um the biggest challenge in making sports stack um, sort of come to life? What were the biggest, what were the biggest things that you've, you've kind of had to overcome? Um, where do I start? Um, <laughs> so I get, I mean, I think, I think as a, I think we've building something from zero, which is kind of from a tech, from a technology perspective, it is an incredibly complex system, um, you know, to build from nothing, um, a, a fine, basically a trading exchange, an order book, a order system um, in such a short space of time um, is, is a big challenge. It's obviously very exciting, but it's a big challenge. So we've, I think, just trying to get something so complicated and difficult built in such a short space of time to be able to launch this side of um, New Year's was a challenge that we took on straight away and knew we could deliver it because we've got some awesome people in our team. Um, and, we, you know, we're chuffed we've been able to do that. Um, but of course, it's a big challenge. I think most companies would spend probably twice as long getting it right, um, getting it right. So we we always had a very ambitious goal to get our product to market so users can play with it, use it and give us feedback as quickly as possible. And we're pretty proud of what we've been able to do in essentially only nine months of building, really. Um, so that I think that's that that from a kind of tech, from a building standpoint was obviously always a big challenge for us. Um, and then more so in terms of what customers actually interact with, it was making sure that we just get the concept right. So that goes right, that starts with the scoring model itself. Um, we wanted to make sure that the scoring model we launched with was as close to something that users are going to understand, relate to, and deem a fair value of player performance. Um, and also the overall concept between you know, bounding it between zero and 100p so we can let people go long and short. And all of these kind of, there's, there's thousands of tiny decisions which all come together to make sports sack what it is today. And we know it's not, it's certainly not perfect yet, 
um, and there's loads of new features and things we want to add various little tweaks that we're almost certainly going to make in the coming weeks and months but it was it was i guess deciding what are we going to what what concept and product we're going to launch with is um you know thousands tiny decisions that you feel like you have to get all of them right um and we're pretty proud of what we've been able to do and generally we've been pretty happy with the feedback on the product and the scoring model itself actually um because scoring model as you guys probably know is always something that everyone's got a strong opinion on that something should be changed, something should definitely not be changed, something should be higher, something should be lower, et cetera, et cetera. But on the whole, the feedback's been fairly positive. Um, and I think the, the main things that people are suggesting should be changed, um, I think generally speaking, we agree with that and they will be changed in due course too. Yeah, because there's, be uh, there's definitely been some conversations on the, uh, on the Slack chat regarding uh, one or two pieces of the scoring system. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. And that, but that's what's so useful for us is we just we kind of sit back and collate all this feedback. And it's so obvious when when a decent proportion of users all get behind one idea. So if it comes to the scoring table, you know, foul, foul one, for example, has been something that everyone's kind of got behind as definitely there should be a positive attribute for fouls one, given that there's a fouls conceded. So that's an example of where um, it seems pretty clear to us that the majority of people are looking for that, and that's something we're going to look into pretty closely. Um, of course, we can't accommodate everyone's opinions, and some people are desperate for some things, and other people say, please don't introduce that. So it's our job just to listen to everyone's feedback and then do what's best for the sports stack community as a whole. Cool. Uh, this is something, actually, that I'd, I think I've considered. I've not actually even really discussed it with the other guys, but I noticed, um, I watched a couple of games recently, there's no, um, there's nothing in the matrix for um, sort of giving the ball away um, or sort of an inc incomplete pass as such. Um, mm -hmm. so you've got um, a payout in there for uh, making eight passes. Um, was there consideration for for incomplete passes? Um, there definitely would have been. Um, there was consider we started with a completely blank sheet of paper and you know opt to provide thousands of data points. So it's really a kind of choose a menu from this. I mean. There's a lot of there's a lot of factors that come into play in terms of why certain things are and are picked and are not picked. So a lot of a lot of things that, for example, FPL might include a, a, what are known as waterfall events where they only kick in basically at the final whistle. So for example, clean sheet bonus. We understand, obviously, and certainly as someone that plays FPL, I understand for goalkeepers, defenders, that that is an important attribute. But the problem is it's the way that Sportstack works and you're constantly buying and selling, looking at the live payout, trying to determine um, you know, what that player's final payout is going to be. It's quite hard to have events whereby you could be trading this defender that's got a 50p payout, the final whistle goes and boom, they've suddenly got 65p because this clean sheet, 15p, whatever it would be. It wouldn't, wouldn't be that high, but whatever it is, would kick in. And that could be quite confusing for users. So we took the view, we've taken the view so far to avoid these kind of waterfall events that just kick in at the final whistle. Um, but again, everything's potentially up for, up for debate. But that's something where some people are desperate for clean sheet. A lot of people, when they actually hear the rationale, think actually that would be quite confusing for the, for the mass market to have these things that didn't only kicked in after the match had ended. So... Um, we're still looking at everything, um, but we definitely seem to be coming behind a couple of tweaks that the, the mass market all seem to be on board with us changing. Uh, but generally, generally, we've been pretty, I've been pleasantly surprised by how few complaints we've had on the scoring model, to be honest. I just thought you're, when you put out a scoring model 
and I've seen it with other fancy sports companies with um, the PB matrix for football index for FPL itself, there's normally so much pushback on, on everything. So generally speaking, as a first attempt at a good scoring model, we've been fairly impressed with it. Right, okay. And I guess you see, you sort of referred to it there, you have taken a bit of um, guidance from some of the other, the other games, whether it's FPL or um, kind of what we've seen with football index. Um, obviously, there have been issues there with, um, with them changing the matrix once people have kind of got their bets already um, already up and running. Yeah, we did. I mean, to us, we didn't look at we didn't look at football index or footstock. We looked at um, FPL and some of the other um, potentially less successful, but more kind of fantasy football focused products and apps that are out there. Um, even to us, even the likes of DraftKings and stuff have got their football matrixes. Um, just because we know that predominantly that's what a lot of our current users and hopefully future users are very much used to. So it was, I mean, FPL, if there was one product would be the kind of anchor point that we, uh, the anchor point that we, we started with and then went from there. Sweet. Sweet. I, how, how far do you think Sportstack can go sort of in the next one, three, five years even? Um, sort of, you know, I understand there's, there's definitely going to be things that you probably don't want to reveal yet. Um, but is there sort of any uh, any hints that we can get at all? Um, yeah, I mean, so we've obviously got some very big plans. We're only we've only literally just got started, launched a couple of weeks ago, um, and we've got you know the core concept of Sportstack is that there's no reason why you shouldn't be able to bet, speculate, trade player performance on any sport in any country, right? So you know the big the big big vision is that it should be a sports trading a global sports trading platform where you can buy sell and trade any professional athlete in any sport you know it was a no-brainer to launch in the uk one because we're based here two because it remains the largest regulated online market in the world for, for sports betting um obviously the us will eventually take over from that and asia as well when they when the regulation works itself out but as of today, it's still basically the largest, most liberal market to launch in. Football is by far and away the biggest sport within that. So there was never really a question mark for us that we would launch, start in the UK and start with football. Um, but the, the, mo- the model, the concept, the technology is designed to scale into any sport eventually. All we really need to do is define that scoring model for a new sport and then we can roll into that Um you know, saying that, as I say, we, we have only just launched football. There's so much we want to do to build out the football product we have. Um, we've already got, you know, we've already had amazing feedback from you guys, from hundreds of other users on our Slack channel, on Twitter, over email, with amazing ideas for new features, new leagues we want to introduce. So, you know, we definitely want to walk before we can run, before we start spinning off into, you know, 17 different sports. We want to do give 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 our football audience what it deserves which is you know what you see at the moment is literally just scratching the surface of what we have planned to roll out to everyone so um next year is going to be a really exciting and big year for users to see almost continual continual feature improvements and new features being rolled out kind of at a lot quicker speed than you'd be used to from many other companies um so that's definitely something to be excited about in terms of next year i mean as we've already kind of been fairly clear about we're going to be we're going to be covering the last 16 of the champions league 
Um, so we're adding those leagues there and then the Euros next summer as well. So we're pretty lucky that for our first year of launch, that summer low has been filled by a huge tournament, um, which should be really exciting before we head into the next football season there. So um, there's a lot to do next year. And in the background, of course, we're always looking at what territories we want to move into next. Obviously, we've got to get some licenses. Um, there's a legality behind that, but we expect to be approved and pushing into Ireland at the end of January. So that's only kind of a month away now. Um, and then and then from there, we'll be looking to, um, you know, we're looking at various other territories at the moment. We haven't pulled the trigger on deciding which one it'll be, but um, we've obviously got big plans and we're pretty actively looking at what, what country and what sport to do next in the background. Okay. Yeah. On, well, on the sport, we've based on our research we want to take a little guess that it might be cricket next i don't know if you want to if you're willing to confirm um confirm that or or give any any information any hints <laughs> i mean i'd love to confirm it but i can't because we haven't confirmed it in the office yet either so yeah. um it, it really it, it really depends on what what sport comes next to some extent depends on geographically where we want to expand as a business as well um you know, if we're looking, India India is a very exciting market. If you're going into India, then cricket's a no-brainer there. If we want to try and do something over in the US, which is opening up fairly quickly, then American sports looks quite interesting. If we're staying very kind of UK, UK, Western Europe focused, then moving into, you know, cricket for sure, golf, tennis, those kind of sports become more interesting there. So, uh, I mean, what, what, what sport would you guys like? Uh, oh, I'm I'm half Indian, so I'm all down for cricket. <laughs> <laughs> um, I've 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 got quite a keen interest in basketball, um, which doesn't necessarily get fulfilled that easily. Being in the UK, obviously the time the the um, the time difference is not ideal for that at all. Yeah, um, sure. More more opportunities to bet on basketball, I think, would be fun. Yeah. Um, I mean, in terms of in terms of the expansion where does um getting into the season long markets fit into um the the timeline are you looking to get into um the season long markets as part of the football proposition and then get into other sports yeah i think that i think for any uh in terms of season long markets they almost they will almost always start with a match market before rolling into a season market um because i think it makes a lot more sense to get users comfortable with the scoring model how the market works itself itself um and really understanding that framework and to be honest actually build, building a user base behind that before then hopefully trying to launch a season version where liquidity is even more important and vital to make that market work um, and by that stage people are really going to understand what it is they're buying and selling and what's driving the price up and down in terms of their player performance so that's uh, and also it gives us that opportunity to check that our scoring table is um it, our users are predominantly happy with the scoring table because with a match market because they essentially reset every week if we do make a mistake or there's a there's some clear features of a scoring table that everyone wants changed we have the luxury of being able to do that without it affecting every, anyone you know the problem with launching a season market uh with it without checking your scoring table is that you've got two choices one is let your users trade the whole season with a really annoying uh really annoying scoring table that everyone wants changed or you 
swoop in halfway through the season and make a change to the scoring table and potentially cost some of you a lot of money because they bought a player on the basis of the scoring table staying the same and all of a sudden you make goals twice as valuable or half as valuable and screw them. So that's obviously something we would never do. And it's another reason why we started with the match market model first. Okay, I like that. We've got a few, um, we've had a couple of questions while we're talking about kind of the, the potential for for expansion for sports. Now, we've got a couple of questions that have come from um, Twitter and through the websites. We've had um, FI Manx from Twitter asking what the schedule is for allowing the Isle of Man to be able to bet on the platform. I, I, I'm not aware of the sort of the jurisdiction on that. I would have I would have guessed that that would come under the UK, but clearly that's not the case. Um, and then we've also had, uh, we've had Yuxan on the website asking for a timescale for opening up in Asia. Now, I know you've kind of alluded there to um, to how how you go about um, getting the legality sorted, but um, I don't know if you are able to take any guesses um, before we kind of move on. Yeah, I mean, so uh, Isle of Man is a separate license. Obviously, if it, if it was a UK license, we'd be open there, right? I mean, yeah. if 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 if. Uh, if there wasn't such thing as licensing, we would be open everywhere. Of course, any product would be. Um, and um, but obviously, that's not the case for a gambling product. You need to be correctly licensed, regulated. Um, you know, which, which is absolutely understandable given the nature of the gambling business. Um, but what that means is, of course, we need to. First of all, you have to go through a multi-month process to apply for licenses, and then in second, in, in a lot of countries, it can be very expensive. So that's where. As a business, we need to make decisions um, as to what's the most, where's the most appropriate place to launch that makes sense. And you know, to, to be frank, it's probably a good reason why, for example, Football Index that have got you know plenty of money in the bank aren't open in the likes of Spain or France or Germany yet. Obviously, they're huge football nations. Their product would do amazingly well there. But these countries charge you hundreds of thousands of pounds just to get a license. Um, so there's kind of commercial decisions to be taken as to is it worth it. Um, and that's kind of what we're doing on a daily basis at the moment. So something like the Isle of Man, of course, is going to happen a lot quicker than Asia. Um, the Isle of Man is, you know, it's, it's, it's on our long list. It's not, it's obviously not a huge territory where it's going to drive kind of huge growth for our business. But it, it's, it's almost certainly going to be somewhere that we, nat- we naturally expand into because why not? Um, when it comes to Asia, I mean, that's a, Asia, first of all, it's a continent of a country, so I don't know exactly which country. <laughs> Unfortunately, it's not just an Asian gaming license. I wish it was that easy. Um, but again, huge, huge population, big gambling culture, lots of huge sports fans there. So, of course, we'd love to eventually get there. But to, to, be, to be honest, at the moment, um, the focus is very much around naturally expanding from the UK into the European countries that make sense um, and then glancing glancing some attention towards India because we know the cricket proposition is huge there and America for the US version as well. Right, okay. And um, question from SS Customs on Twitter. Um, what marketing strategies will the team be pursuing? I know you've uh, mentioned um, sort of the referral um, bonuses kind of thing that, that we'll be rolling out soon, I think. Um, but I don't know if you've got got anything you want to expand on there. Yeah, so, um, I mean, the easiest answer to give, first of all, is that this is all going to be revealed in the, in the second week of January. So it's not long for people to wait. I mean, so essentially the way, as has probably been pretty obvious to everyone that's our current users, we haven't spent, uh, basically haven't spent a penny on any marketing or advertising so far. It's all been purely organic um you know we've got 
you know, several thousand users off the back of that without spending anything. So we've been really pleased with that. Um, but then obviously going forward, and the whole intention was let's get our product out to this core user base that we currently have um, and people like yourselves, people within our Slack community. We want to hear everyone's feedback, opinions, views, what they love, what they hate, what they want to change. And we've been working really hard behind the scenes to respond to that. We're adding things like trade out first week of January or see that, see that making some other changes that everyone's been calling for, um, adding the referral, friend referral um, promotions as well. And then really the goal is that as soon as we roll into the new year, fairly shortly afterwards, uh, we're going to be re releasing this new version of the app, also be on the Google Play Store for Android users too. And that's when we really begin our marketing campaign, um, which is going to be fairly broadly sweeping across, you know, um, will be very present across all of the social media platforms, also doing some cool partnerships with various content producers within the football, betting, sports space too. So as a starting point, that's really where we're focused and then we'll go from there. Um, but it, we, we're really focused on um, the, more, the more kind of organic and content-led marketing because we know we've got some really cool data, player price charts, stats, the sport folios. We really, really want to kind of try, try and tie that in with big producers of content within the football, sports and betting space because we don't just want to be another company that chucks adverts on every website you go onto because I just don't think that's that effective. Yeah. And... Um... So if you mentioned there with the new um, apps and everything, I mean, what's the what's sort of a time scale then for the desktop version? Because I think there's been some some conversation about that as well. I know you've said it's uh, I think it's due early next year. Yeah. So um, I always try and be I always try and be very honest with with timelines because um, one I, I hate to be hate to be someone that just goes coming soon coming soon because yeah. <laughs> people just end up ignoring what all that means um, but also don't want to get people's hopes up and say a defined date and there's oh you promised us by this but you know realistically what we're targeting is um, we want to get we're going to be getting a beta version of the desktop out to users um, kind of March to April time with a fully fledged version, um, more kind of April to May time. Um, so the plan currently is we're gonna get a decent, a, kind of a strong version without all of the bells and whistles and features out to a core user base of, of um, core user base as soon as possible, really. Hopefully it can be sooner than late March. Um, we obviously wanna get out there as quickly as possible. Um, and as soon as we have something we know is usable in a decent enough format, we'd, we'd love to get that out to a select group of users. Um, and then we want our website to be out there, um, you know, definitely in time for the end of the season, well ahead of the Euros kicking off. Um, and But no, we're excited about that. I mean, our website, our website is something that we want to be, you know, we've, we've, we've done all of the designs, we've got all the wireframes kind of, and the, the, the build is starting to take place now. So we're pretty excited for everyone's feedback on that because we want it to be, we want it to kind of look and feel as innovative and modern as our app does and really kind of be a game changer when you compare it to almost all other betting websites. Nice. Yeah. And I think um, obviously if we can, in an ideal world, obviously get the desktop version out um, by the end of the season for the Euros as well. So that'll be quite a big For sure. No, it's so. obviously a huge, commercially, it's, it's a no-brainer for us as well, right? So we're very focused on that. Um, and it also allows us to roll out a, a host of new features that, you know, potentially is hard to squeeze into a phone. You've obviously got such limited real estate on a phone screen. But when people quite rightly want 
charts where you can really kind of look at the charts, zoom in, zoom out, see different time periods, do a lot more kind of data and stats analysis for the users that are into that kind of thing. A website version gives us the opportunity. We've got so much more space on that screen to give you all of these cool features, um, which which on a phone, it just gets too, way too messy to try and cram in. Yeah. I, sorry, I'm just going to jump in. Um, obviously, you mentioned there with the charts being able to zoom in and out, and I guess that's probably more pertinent, um, say, in the season market where you've got longer a longer time horizon to, to focus in on at different points. Um, so with the season market, um, there's been a bit of discussion on the Slack channel. Do you want to go into just quickly how it will work? Because I know there probably might be some people who listen and, and don't know exactly what to expect from that. Um, I mean, so the, cur the current thinking on that is that it will just be an extrapolation of the match day market. So in every match, a player can earn between 0 and 100p payout um, for that match's performance. Obviously, every team plays 38 matches within a season. So 38 matches times 100p is £38. So then in a season market, a player's player can potentially earn a payout of £0 all the way up to £38, and the market will trade between those two prices. Now, obviously, no one's ever going to get £38. That would imply you got kind of five goals every single match for 38 matches. That would never happen. Um but it's, it's really kind of a free market that would be open 24-7 um, for players to speculate on how well that player is going to play over the entire season, right? So it's, it's just a very, it's that much more long-term, um, long to medium-term marketplace where for users that potentially don't like or don't want to engage in the really short-term element that Sportstack currently is with match markets, obviously loads of people absolutely love that and that's what they want, the thrill and excitement of that immediate kind of payout and thrill of the match watching it in play but for people that just want to take a more um, long-term approach um, where you come into the beginning of the season and think okay Harry Kane earned a 28 pound season payout last season I think to be honest he's he's getting a bit on the old side now he's probably going to start to lose a bit of form here and he's probably you know past his peak um if his price opens up around 25, 28 pounds, which would be fair enough, you could start to short him there and take a much more kind of six month view on him just having a worse season than we've been used to and vice versa. Loads of young guns coming in. There's 18, 19, 20 year old signings at the top clubs that potentially no one really has much of an opinion on that's trading maybe around 10 to 15 pounds at the beginning of the season. You can get in early there and potentially, you know, double your money or more if you're right and they turn out to be the next kind of Rashford. Yeah, so I mean, with obviously with the season market, then sort of we know at the moment, obviously when you're doing the match market, you know you you can bank your profits and it it stays in your portfolio, but you don't actually physically receive that money till the end of the end of the game. Yeah, will that be the same situation with the season market, or is is there a potential tweak there? Because um, I know no, you, you you get you get your money out straight away. Yeah, it'd be like proper cash out. So it'd be yeah. Of course, it would be. Um, so if you bought bought £100 of Harry Kane, he goes up a pound, you sell £100, you'd take all your money and your profit straight away. Yeah. So, yeah, you wouldn't have your money locked in for the whole season because I don't think we'd have that much activity if we locked yeah. it in. Um, yeah, so no, um, is, without, without boring people, doing that is actually incredibly complicated, but it's something that we would have to do with season markets. Um, it's, it's, it's the difference between trading out and cashing out. Um 
it's, it's boring, but it actually gets very complicated. But it's something we would absolutely have to do because people need to be free to um, people need to be free to buy, sell, make a profit, move on to the next trade, or take a loss, move on. Um, with match markets, it's not as much of an issue, of course, because they are much shorter term anyway. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, for season markets, that, that wouldn't be a problem. I guess yeah. the main reason why the um, why the bank profits don't always come to fruition is because in the match markets they can be voided, right? If um, say if a player doesn't start, um, I guess is is there any scope for markets ending up being voided in the in the seasonal market? Say if it comes to like an injury or something. Um, again, we haven't confirmed this, and we had a really good debate in the Slack channel about it. Um, at the moment, the thinking is that the markets would be suspended. They would be suspended in play. Um, because right. with the view being that, to be honest, within a match, to be honest, within a match, nobody you'd you'd get no liquidity anyway. Because who's if Harry Kane's trading at twenty pounds, and he goes into a match, there's no real upside of being in the market saying, yeah, I'll buy him at twenty pounds. Because best case scenario, he has a great match and earns eighty p, and his price maybe goes to twenty pounds fifty. Worst case, he snaps his leg and he collapses in price. So. The reality of it is that there'd actually be no point having markets open in the games. It's too risky, and it just it just enables us to protect our, you know, the mass market user um, because ultimately people that might have inside information or might be at the stadium or might have the faster feed than everyone else could potentially see something and just destroy everyone else by whacking the market. Um, but but generally speaking, for injury injuries as a whole. Um, for in the season markets generally, we'd want to avoid avoid voiding markets as much as possible because it would just be annoying for users, right? Can you imagine if you've been if you've had a position in Vardy for three months, made a load of profit on him, his price has gone up forty percent, and then he hurts himself, and we're like, okay, that market's voided. You lose all of your profit. It would just be a nightmare. So realistically, it'll probably be a much more in the same way that every other market is, right? People understand that there is a very slim risk that someone gets a really bad injury and their price goes down. We've actually done a lot of data analysis and stuff on this, and it's amazingly rare. Um, of course, every season there's one or two horrendous injuries that everyone remembers. But if you think that there's hundreds of Premier League players playing, um, it's it's incredibly rare to get kind of a meaningfully bad injury. Of course, you get things like you know Salah's out for a couple of weeks as he was last month. That would impact his price maybe by five ten percent short term. He comes back and immediately he's back on form. His price goes up. Um, so we would just generally view that as that's part of the fun. That's part of the game is yeah. anti- anticipate anticipating that, anticipating that. You know, of course, occasionally you get unlucky where you're riding a, you're riding a superstar and they get a three week injury. But do you know what? There's probably a big opportunity there where the market goes down 10% and overreacts and you can actually buy it there and then it goes back up 5%, you know, and it's, it's just how all markets work and it's just part of the game. Okay, cool. Um, you might be a bit sick of us mentioning football index. Obviously it's where, where I think Jay and I sort of first dipped our toes into, into sports betting aside from, you know, having a, putting an acro on a Saturday or something. Um, but do you see FI as a, driver for the industry do you see it as competition how do you think um kind of the two platforms can fit together yeah i mean so we we definitely don't view um fi as, as a competitor i think fundamentally we um fundamentally we're just such different concepts when we first came out 
when we first came out um, on social media in some PR news at the start of the year, um, and there was a mention around this Football Index competitor sports stack being built and being launched, there was obviously a lot of hostile feedback from the community, um, understandably not wanting a competitor to come into the space and potentially hurting what 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 FI have. Which is understandable before you knew what the before knowing what sports stack is and how it worked. I understand that completely. But hopefully now more and more so people realize that it's a very different proposition. Um, we're obviously with our match day markets much more focused on kind of true player performance, trading and speculating on how well they're gonna play in the upcoming match, in the match itself, if you want to trade in play. Um, and it's a much more kind of pure peer-to-peer -peer marketplace. Um, where where all that really matters is how well or badly the player plays, um, and then of course football index is is a very different proposition, right? It's a it's a long term it's a long term game. There's various different dividends for media, for performance, for you know for a lot of for a lot of things. So we see it very much for now as a kind of complementary product. Ultimately, if you're using FI because you love football. Um, you've maybe come from a fantasy world. You're a betting convert that prefers the less binary nature of football index. Um, we see a lot of those users using us at the weekend as well, because whilst football index, we, we don't cover the long-term markets at the moment or offer these kind of sustainable, these, um, these long-term dividends at the moment. Um, what we do offer is the ability to genuinely make money from correctly predicting someone playing well or badly in the upcoming match or in the match. And that's something that they don't so much cover. Um, so it is really a complimentary product. And we've seen actually a lot of FI users come over to Sportstack and they quite happily have their FI portfolio as their medium term, where they've got a lot of capital in that. And then also they've got a decent amount of money in Sportstack where every weekend they're coming to us. Yeah, I think that's that's pretty much us in all I mean, how, 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 do, how do you guys see it? Uh, sort of, I think we see it as like they, they are completely different products, completely different markets. Um, you, you might be able to work them sort of side by side if I suppose you've got a player in Football Index and then, you know, say they've got four or five easy fixtures, you know, you can back them on Sportstack um, four or five weeks in a row and, you know, you make money off both markets. But I think they're very, very different. Um, you know, Sportstack is very much more especially at the moment, you know, you're looking at the individual in the singular game rather than over a maximum of like a three-year bet with, with FI. Yeah. Yeah, I think I the bit where it'll get um, more interesting for me, I think, is when you get the season markets come in on, um, on Sportstack because that's when they start to move into the same space a little bit more. Um, I've on on football index. I've never really been one for sort of taking a punt on a single game. Um, so sports stack really kind of like fills that um, that kind of void, I guess, because um, that, that's never really been my thing on FI. Um, so yeah, I think I think they are they are very different, and I've managed to I've I've quite enjoyed just keeping them separate um, for for the time being. Um, but, kind of see I think once you get the seizing markets come in and there's like and there's more liquidity I, I could see myself moving more money say from football index in sports stack or just putting more money into sports stack um as the platform grows yeah I mean that's that's um as you, as you say the, the way that it sounds like you guys are using it is exactly what we would expect and intend it to be um and you know hopefully more and more people can recognize that 
there's a lot of there's a lot a lot of fun to be had with both products and they really do cater to different different things in terms of fulfilling your love for football um, you'll love to put a bit of money behind your opinions. Um, so we expect that trend to continue. And it's already started started happening fairly quickly, which is great. Um, and of course, you know, in terms of, I don't really know their plans, but we're very focused on transcending into, you know, a, a host of other sports over time as well. Um, you know, where it would become potentially a much more kind of multi-sport platform and your portfolio won't necessarily just be full of football players. Um, of course, if football's your thing, then you can do that. But it's what it will be a one-stop shop, one platform where you can express your views on athletes across sports rather than just football too. Um, so yeah, that's another thing. Yeah, just um, just quickly going back. Obviously, I know you said that, um, and obviously everybody knows that Opta sort of pretty much powers everything that you guys do in terms of the the payouts. Um, I'm not sure if you're sort of massively aware of, I suppose Neymar Gate uh, last Sunday, where you know. It, sort of you, you can see the videos and sort of people were saying oh, it's, it's Neymar's goal um but Opta sort of let's say 12 hours after the game <laughs> finished decided to uh to change it and award the goal to Neymar yes um I mean what what would be I mean I'm pretty sure it would it's a case of look you know the game's finished um trade is closed sort of thing but I mean is is that exactly how it would be for for you guys yeah, I mean, so first of all, just to explain how Opta works and the, the different options available to betting companies, whatever company uses them. So they have a, they have a kind of in-play, they've got an in-play super fast feed that we use that the majority of kind of live betting and bookmakers would use because obviously they need to know every microsecond what's happening to change their odds. And we just need that information so we can tell all of our users what's happening every second. So we have their fastest feed. The way that works is we're plugged into it. Every second something happens on the pitch. Um, literally within two seconds, we're aware of it. The app's made aware of that. Um, and throughout, basically right up to the final whistle, they will change attributes if um, within that 90-minute window they notice they've done something wrong. So occasionally on the app, you'll see that it might say, um, it might say assist for a player, and then two minutes later it gets crossed out because they may be incorrectly tapped assist on that player name or decided actually no he wasn't he doesn't deserve an assist so right up to the final whistle they will feed us everything as it's happening and any changes to things they've told us to the final whistle at the final whistle they present us with this um, basically a final settlement package which is this is to confirm basically everything we've told you in these 90 minutes we take that information check that it's correct with what they did tell us and what the app says, and then we settle markets normally within a couple of minutes of doing that. Um, they then also provide, 12 hours later, they provide a kind of final, final version, which is what you're talking about with Neymar, where they go over and check everything. Um, and sometimes there's no changes. Sometimes, quite often, there's tiny changes where they'll say, this player got seven passes instead of six passes, like tiny, tiny things. And then, of course, occasionally there's a big thing where they completely change who got a goal. Um, the fact is the nature of our match day, our match products, the match markets, is that users expect and want to be paid out and settled minutes after the match ends. So with that in mind, we have little choice but to take what Opta tell us at the final whistle. So in this Neymar situation, we would have taken and settled markets two minutes after the final whistle and that would have been case closed really 
Um, of course, as a as a peer-to-peer exchange, everyone needs to remember that every transaction and trade is one user against another. So we're not a bookmaker. We're not. We're not. And it's sort of different to FI as well. FI are taking risk and betting against you as a user on FI. Um, so it's very much kind of them versus you. Whereas on ours, it's just our users against each other. So even when we change something to the benefit of some users, by definition, to the other 50% of users, we're hurting them. Yeah. Um, so th- the fairest way is to be very clear from the outset that the markets will close based off what Opta tell us at the final whistle. And that's what you're trading and betting on. Um, if we did, for example, make this change and say, do you know what Neymar did get that goal? Then, of course, some people that own Neymar would be over the moon. They've just made another 15p on all their shares. But then 50% of people would go, what the, hell, what the hell are you doing? The market's settled and you've just taken 15p per share off me because we've just changed the price. So um, we, we try, we, we're just very clear and transparent about Opta have the final say. This is the scoring table. So everyone knows exactly what moves the price up and down. Um, and obviously, events where Opta make mistake, mistakes like they did with Neymar are, are regrettable, but thankfully they're very rare. Yeah, I think sort of the key thing is that it'd be far too messy um, if we, if if you guys were sort of taking it from a you know that final final call um, and had to make any adjustments. Um, and it would also it would also mean at the end of the match you everyone would have to wait 12 hours to get their money back and how annoying would that be right like if the 12 30 exactly. the 12 30 kickoff today finishes at 2 p.m you wouldn't get that money till 2 a.m sunday morning because we were waiting for opta so it would suck and you wouldn't have your money to bet on the 3 p.m kickoff you know so yeah it's um it's and and obviously we've got the other thing as well where it's you know if you were doing it that way, sort of people wouldn't know for certain what their payout was going to be. Exactly, um, and you don't want which, that uncertainty, yeah. No, no the uncertainty yeah, is think, the, the last thing that anyone wants, really. I think from like the time that I've been on um, on FI Twitter, at least, I think the, the clarity, um, promptness of communication is probably one of the biggest things. Um, so kind of people knowing where they stand, um, I think, is, is really important for kind of the user experience as a whole. Yes, completely. Cool. Um, for any new users, do you have any, any kind of advice as to kind of how to make the most out of the platform? Anything you um, anything you learned in your trading days that you think is, is worth applying here in, uh, in Sportstack? Um, I mean, I'd say the key piece of advice to new users is to keep it simple. And that obviously sounds pretty simple, but... It actually goes across trading of anything or betting or speculating or anything. You can obviously take it to the nth degree of complexity and do loads of analysis and data and spreadsheets if you want to. But ultimately, with Sportstack, you've got one very key and simple decision. It's will they play better or worse than the current price suggests? And wherever you, wherever you disagree with that price, wherever you see a price and think, oh, I think they'll pay out more than that or oh, I think they're not going to pay out that much. Ultimately, all that success on Sportstack comes down to is to looking at a price and deciding, is that does that seem about right or does that seem too high or too low? And whenever you think it's too high or too low, then you should take a position to reflect that opinion. Um, and ultimately, you can, of course, go away and do your analysis. And I know you guys are pretty, you know, pretty smart in what you do. 
Um, and that, that will definitely work for a lot of people. But fundamentally, it really comes down to that. So don't be overwhelmed by going deep into the stats or all of the potential features that we're going to roll out, which cater to people that really want all those added layers of complexity to do what they want to do. You know, it really does come down to, in the same sense that if you think Arsenal are going to win, you might put £10 on Arsenal to win. If you love, again, I keep using Harry Kane just because it's simple for everyone. Are you a Spurs fan by any chance? Hey? Are you a Spurs fan by any chance? <laughs> no comment. <laughs> I was going to say, it's probably best for you to remain neutral on that one. Yeah. Uh, I think across the office, we've got about as broad a sweep of fan base as you can. So well, I think right. we're good on that sense. Um, but yeah, it really does come down to that. And um, I think as soon as people get their head around the very basic concept of the score, how the scoring table applies to the price, then that's all you really need to know to be successful. So um, what we've found is that as soon as, as, soon as um, the concept of sports stack kind of the penny drops then people absolutely love it and they're using the product all the time i think the same the same for a lot of betting products we're we're the same fi is the same when you first come onto the platform there's an educational journey you need to go through to work out to be honest what the hell is happening here um but as soon as that clicks then you love it and it's actually very simple and i think we've been very focused on the whole time trying to make it really black and white and objective where the better they play, the higher their payout, the higher their price and vice versa. And that's something we wanted to get away from the way FI do things, which obviously works really well for them. But we wanted wanted it to be really clear and objective that if a player plays well in a match, their price will go up. And if they don't, their price will go down. And it's kind of really black and white on that. Um, and that's really the only decision you need to make. So um, my, you know, my advice would be to, obviously, if you can, Try, check out some of the cool education stuff we have to give you like the once over and the stuff that you guys are producing is awesome and hopefully people will continue to get involved with that but really don't 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 take it too complicated unless you really need to and want to yeah i think that's and that's fair um it's probably probably the best thing to say really in terms of uh, just keeping it as simple as as humanly possible um especially i suppose at first just to even find your feet um, yeah exactly and that's why we're, that's why we're keen on always giving people those free shares when they first sign up so you know um they they have the opportunity they've already been given a position they have an opportunity to have a play with those and work out how to sell them lock in a profit or hold on to them to the final whistle and really play around with the app um, and actually we're rolling out as part of the new app upgrade that's coming out at the start of next year we're introducing a, a really cool um, gamified education onboarding process too. So when you're actually signing up, there's going to be a game where you pick your free shares and actually buy and sell those shares in a kind of simulated market. So that should really help users um, in a fun way. They're picking their free shares and they're learning the basics of his price is this, you should buy, his price is rocketed, you should now sell. Um, so that should really help people get beyond that kind of first layer of education too. Okay, that sounds great. Um, you mentioned then the, the content that we're putting out and um, it's sort of just been like a, a labour of love so far. It's just something we've, we've wanted to do. Is there anything in particular you would like to see us produce? Is there anything, any topics you, you'd like us to hit on? Um I mean, I, I don't think anything beyond what I know you guys will almost certainly do anyway, right? I mean, of, on your own backs, the content you've, you've put out has been awesome. 
I think it's been it's great for education and it's great for it kind of touches it touches the complete beginners are, are still working out what's happening but also I think it's really useful and good content for the proper traders already trading with quite a bit of money because that kind of analytical approach that you've taken on some of your pieces has been awesome for them too so um I mean I I I a bit, it's a bit like building sports stacks, to be honest. It kind of comes down to what your users ask you for, right? I mean, my opinion, my opinion, I personally listen to a lot of podcasts, like football podcasts and things like that, are things I'm interested in. Um, so for me, I would say, obviously, why don't you do a podcast or an audio thing? Because I, I personally like that. But who knows? Most, most of your users might not want that. And obviously, don't do it if that's not the case. Um, I guess everyone's different, right? But as a starting point, you the content... The actual format of your content and content, content and what you're saying is amazing, um, but I would probably say in terms of, you know, us really getting going next year, we expect you know a, a very large and consistent wave of constant new users checking out Sportstack, onboarding, working it out. I would definitely steer on the side of really useful, clear educational pieces. Um, it's probably where you're going to see your biggest take up because those users are probably going to be looking for this kind of content more so than the really savvy ones that to some extent might already know, think they know what they're doing and not be as interested in listening to other people's opinions. So there it was guys. Um, apologies for the slightly abrupt end we got from, uh, from that question straight into some, some questions about alpha stack and our plans that we wanted to discuss with Nick. So obviously those things we we're, we're not putting out there right now. Um, yeah, I think he covered a really interesting broad range of subjects. Um, thank you to everyone who sent in questions. Apologies if we didn't manage to get your your name in there. Um, going forward, we'll try and obviously um, attribute any credit where it's due. Um, and on that note, if there isn't a thing that you would like to see from us, be it podcast, podcast sort of uh, content or something on the blog, um, yeah, just uh, just let us know. Obviously, we're we're contactable on Twitter. Um, we have got a page on Facebook as well. I know we've not um, we've not done a whole lot on there yet, but we're going to get up and running with that in the new year. Um, so I hope everyone's had a cracking Christmas. Um, best wishes for for twenty twenty, and um, yeah, we look forward to, to producing some more good content for you guys.